0: So we're kind of at this perfect storm right now where the internet, we all know it's something where we all go first, but we're at this perfect storm for real estate right now uh, where a lot of people are hitting the web to look for answers to, to their questions.
1: So the question is this, how do most agents find the secrets to succeed in today's competitive real estate market, especially when the top agents are keeping those secrets to themselves? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. Hi, I'm Aaron Amuchastegui, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Real Estate Rockstars. This is Aaron Amuchastegui, host of the Real Estate Rockstars podcast, and today I am talking with my good friend, Trevor Mock. Trevor.
0: Aaron, what's up, dude? Uh, I'm pumped to be back here with you. And dude, there's all kinds of cool stuff we're going to be digging into today, I think. I love it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And Trevor is the host
0: of the Carrot Cast
1: podcast. And today we're going to try something new. I think we've kind of done this a few times before where we've created we've created you know, content, interviewed each other, and shared it on both of ours. So this will be getting published, I think, both on our Real Estate Rockstars podcast and Carrot Cast.
0: Yep. 100%. One thing, dude, I know you and I were messaging back and forth on Instagram and one of the things that I so love about what you guys do in real estate, Rockstar is what you're doing on your IG, you guys. If you guys are not following Aaron on IG, go do it right now, because uh, he's posting all kinds of cool stuff on around data, foreclosures, and and uh, I hit I hit Aaron up. I said, man, I'd love for you to share some foreclosure data, what you're seeing in the market. Uh, you're right there on the ground floor, and then we've got some things in the online marketing side of it, where I'm pulling up my data set right now. You know, with almost five hundred thousand leads that our our, uh, clients have generated this year. We'll just dive into the data, man, and see where it takes us so people can be well prepped for the next year.
1: Yeah. Yeah, we wanted to talk about what we saw this year with foreclosures and data and then maybe just some extra things. You know, we'll talk about Airbnb, we'll talk about hotels, where some opportunities will be. The both Trevor and I, we look heavily at the data, at the real estate market, at where the opportunities are. We are the nerdy number cruncher guys sometimes behind the scenes trying to figure out what's out there. And when Trevor just said that so he has so 500,000 leads for his clients. So so Trevor's company, Carrot you know, they build software for real estate investors and real estate agents to have these high-performing landing pages on Google where somebody says, sell my house fast in Austin. And if you look at it, the top five pages you're going to find, you're going to be carrot customers, I think. Because I've seen the templates, I've, I've seen them come up. And it's
0: also for agents. And the, did I summarize carrot properly for you? Dude, 100%, 100% kind of thing that I've been talking about a lot lot the last year, the last two years it's kind of, how do, you, how do you move away from what I call hamster wheel marketing? Uh, it all works, you know, direct mail, that, that all works. Uh, continue doing it, but uh, how do you move towards evergreen marketing? Marketing that you create really good content one time and it continues to work for you for years and years, uh, usually through Google search. Yeah,
1: yeah one, of the, one of the gals that I interviewed a couple months ago, she had actually been on the podcast two years prior or the year prior. And the day that I interviewed her, she said it was so funny. She had just gotten a lead, just gotten a new client, from the podcast she was on a year ago so oh, really? uh, yeah. yeah so it's like a podcast is an example of evergreen there's something that we do today that's around forever that turns into something so the podcasts are way out, but the most common people think about is is google and and that grows over time right
0: yeah it, it does and, and, and i've got data like some click around our data set right now and it grows over time and also there's a big dynamic that's happening right now where i was looking at the stat from realtor.com the other day. And they're saying over the past four years, organic searches in Google uh, for real estate related uh, uh, searches has gone up 253%. And so not only do you have this COVID environment where it's driven a lot more people online to find the solutions, or maybe they're not, be able, they're not out there able to network or talk to someone physically. So they're really, uh, it, it's spiking people to, drive on, to go online. And then number two, you've got just the natural uh, evolution of more and more people adopting just using the darn cell phone for researching everything. So we're kind of at this perfect storm right now, where the internet—we all know it's something where we all go first—but we're at this perfect storm for real estate right now, uh, where a lot of people are hitting the web to look for answers to, to their questions. Yeah, you know,
1: so one thing that we saw in 2020, and I had a ton of agents tell me this, something that was different. Like, so post-COVID, pre-COVID, right? We only had a couple of months in 2020 that was that was, we'll say, normal, and now who knows what that even means. But the It used to be that people would go interview three or four agents and say, give me your presentation and I will choose who gets my listing or give me your presentation and I'll see who's going to represent me. But something that we've seen, you know, post COVID is people aren't doing that. They're doing a search and they're calling agents and saying, I want you to have my listing. Now, part of that is they don't want people to meet inside their house. They don't want to go back and forth. They don't want to meet with five different people. They want to make, so they're making the decision quicker and they're, and they're making kind of the first time on the phone. Agents are getting to do that pitch and they're saying, okay, list that house for me. And it's less of a competitive you know, environment. And it's, so agents that have really good web presence agents that have been succeeding. So the agents that were doing great, good before did great this year. They had like three times the normal volume. Now the agents that were hustlers that had smaller, you know, that were just getting going, but didn't have as much of the online presence they've struggled. And some of them have had, you know, no deals this year. How, how, I don't know if you have any data around that or if you've seen that when like the, is it similar in the sell my house fast type thing? Do you think people are getting, waiting for five or 10 offers or do you think they're in the post COVID world, they're committed? Like I want to do this now and they're just, are they quicker to act? What do you know about that?
0: Dude, there's a couple of dynamics going on. So, so first of all, like you were talking at the very beginning, there's the iBuyers that really came in the market a couple of years ago. And then with COVID, they've kind of been coming in, coming out and they're, they're, they're not really solid right now. Uh, so then you have that other option that's in people's wheelhouse. That's the seller. They're looking to sell like, they're like I've heard of the iBuyer in our market or whatever. And then everybody knows six or seven agents. You know, everybody does. You you see, the, you see the agent on the, on the, the, the bus bench, everyone knows their Sally, you know, their aunt Sally is an agent or whatever, but hardly anyone knows a person who's a direct house buyer. Right. It's like, so the iBuyer industry is actually making direct house buying more mainstream. And so what we have found, uh, Aaron, let's say coming into 2020, uh, usually if you're a real estate investor uh, and you're going after the types of leads that um, are that usually show up on the lists, you know, it, it's the, the standard list that a bunch of real estate investors would be pulling. It's your vacant house. It's your, you know, the, the, the properties where they have multiple different things that show that there might be motivation. You know, there's a tax code violation and it's a vacant house. And then a bunch of direct mail is going to go to those because all the investors are pulling the same lists. Those ones there have, have always traditionally looked at several offers. Uh, those sellers have looked at several offers. If they, if they have uh, things that are characteristics to the property uh, that show up on list, that's a multiple offer environment for sure. But what we found is when there's the organic side of it, when the person's actively seeking out a solution, they tend to weigh fewer options uh, because they're going and chasing down you know, the, the research to determine what they're wanting to do. And then when the website, uh, when the content in the in website's really good, and this is where a lot of agents and investors need to stand out more in 2021 is a lot of people have a website, but my question for you is like, what on there is helping you differentiate from the other investor or the other agent? You know, is it, if you're an agent and you've got IDX on there and fancy IDX search and all this kind of stuff, every other agent has that, right? So my question to you guys is, if we're in a tougher environment right now, or a more competitive environment where people are comparing and contrasting and looking at different offers and different options. How are you actually standing out when they're doing that online research to show your expertise, to show your credibility, uh, to show that you've worked with a lot of people, to show that you're an authority in the type of property or type of thing that you're doing. And so that's where Aaron, we see people not comparing and, take, and really weighing multiple options as much is when they're working with someone or they find a, an agent or an investor who has insanely solid credibility profile online. Uh, I think where we all start to compare a lot is if there's three or four similar options, not that one of them doesn't stand out on the credibility or authority side of it very much. And then we're going, oh, shoot, let's weigh these options. Now I'm going to look at price. And that's when we start to whittle down commissions on agents or or uh, challenge the price on an investor's offer.
1: That makes a lot of sense. So at 2020 seller the 2020 home seller they're doing it's like two things so first you have to get the battle of they search on google you know best agent in austin texas best agent in in roseburg or sell my house fast in in portland oregon the so the first step is that you're on that top five right Hmm. and right that they that they see you on google they click on it but that's only half the battle number one number two number three in google that means you get more eyeballs but what trevor's saying is because they aren't interviewing everybody for all sorts of different reasons now, they're doing the online interview. They're then, maybe they're researching the name or they're checking those sites. They, they see the top site and then they say, what is, what is it on here about that person? So you talk about, so now they're going to see what is their online, uh, you know, credibility. What can agents do or what have agents done and investors done this year to build that credibility? What are, what's, like what's the, the top two or three things they should put on their site in order to have people go, okay, this is the person I want.
0: Dude, I I think one of the biggest things is, is take your reviews. And so first of all, Number one, have a process where you get a really consistent reviews from your clients. Okay. Uh, that's something where, especially in the environment where you're used to just w- uh, working your warm network or you're out there on the pavement, you know, physically in the area where you were pre COVID, that was really easy to go to all the events and meet people and do all that stuff, sit across the coffee shop from someone and like actually talk with them you know, that it's harder today. Right. So what we need to do is we really need to embrace video. It's something that people have been talking about for years. It's not new. Like embracing video is not a new concept. Yeah, It's not new at all. But I think a lot of agents and investors have avoided that because they didn't have to, because they were able to physically get in front of people at the local rotary or the coffee shop or whatever it is. And so that's where I'd really encourage y'all to take out your phone or take something and start to more consistently document what you're doing, more consistently put video up online on your website, on social media, and just starting to build that connection with people. Because If someone can build a connection with you uh, before they ever actually reach out to you you're already ahead of the game Uh, so number two is now take those reviews have a really good process for channeling reviews to your business and uh, get all of your your zillow reviews that are over there start to populate them on your website a lot of agents kind of use zillow or a face or facebook as their content hub and we need to start seeing your content hubs moving to your websites because that's where people are going to really engage the most
1: Rockstar Nation, this is Aaron Amuchastegui with a quick commercial break from our sponsor, Rent Ready, And this one is all about maintenance. Did you know the number one reason that a tenant leaves a rental is lack of response around maintenance? With Rent Ready's brand new 24-7 maintenance service plans, you can have your maintenance managed for you. It also includes emergency services. Rent Ready, the property management app, recently added more support for landlords. Not only can you get hands-off maintenance coordination to troubleshoot your tenants' repairs for you, but you can also streamline your rental property cash flow with increased rental retention rates. With Rent Ready, you can sleep in on the weekends knowing your repairs are handled from start to finish. In addition to making maintenance, you can manage everything else easier too, like collecting rent, listing units, screening tenants, and signing leases, all from the phone in your hand. Get luxury-style maintenance services for your tenants and free weekends for yourself when you sign up for Rent Ready. You know, I, I want to add a couple things in here too. You know, I had interviewed Ryan Barone, the founder of Rent Ready, in episode 939. So if you want to hear more about Rent Ready and what they've done, go check out that episode with Ryan. And when it comes to maintenance, you guys have heard me say, I have a ton of rental properties. And one of the things I did after owning those for about a year was start to outsource the nighttime calls. There's nothing worse than getting a call at 10 or 11 at night saying my air conditioner is not working. My heater's not working. And I used to have to go to like 10 different companies to do that one for my rents, one for my property management, one for the repairs. And it looks like Rent Ready is doing all of that in one package. So for this month only, you can still try Rent Ready for one year and only for $1 when you use our special code ROCKSTAR. Use code ROCKSTAR and sign up for Rent Ready's annual plan at rentready.com. That's R E N T R E D I.com. Use the code ROCKSTAR. And you can get rent ready for a whole year for just a buck. So would you recommend that people still get them on on Zillow? It's just as soon as somebody puts it on Zillow, you're calling that same, you just copy and paste it onto your site or, or get permission to do that
0: or... Yeah, the, the biggest shift that we that we've been driving, man, because uh, we're going we're really going into an even more amplified credibility phase in 2021, is mate is is doing what I call the authority hub. You know, your website should not just be a website anymore. I think, especially agents, but investors too, will look at a website as well. Check the box, I've got the thing. You know, it's it shows who I am and it's got a form to submit and there's properties up there. That's great, but we need to now pull back and say this is my hub, like. Facebook's not my hub. Instagram's not my hub. Zillow's not my hub. This is my hub. And I control the whole conversation on this hub. I have my content, I have my videos, I have my testimonials. And so then yes, uh, anytime you would get really good reviews over on Facebook, bring those puppies over, over to your website, put them in your testimonials or reviews uh, page, find the best ones and put them you know, on a sidebar or in the middle of your homepage or whatever it is but consistently curate your best reviews from wherever they're getting submitted and bring them towards that, that website or that authority hub. Yeah.
1: Yeah. We've seen on social media, you know, there's a lot of people that are crushing social media from doing so many videos from just picking it up and sharing and picking it up and talking. And we've had a lot of guests this year that have kind of talked about that to get people going, but something that you said that reminded me of, you know, when I, when I did my last two home sales in, in Austin, right? So bought a new house, sold my old house. The, my agent's a great, a great friend of mine, but still on the day of closing, you know, he sends over this personalized video. He just takes a minute or two, records a video. Hey, how's it going? Congratulations. Thank, thank me for, you know, thank you for doing this, you know, this and this. And it makes it really simple to show how quickly and easy you can record a video and send it to somebody. And that could even be a good opportunity for agents, right? When they're, when they're sending that thank you email, thank you for the transaction, or really the text message. Because right now, text just seems to be just a, a great way to communicate. Sending the video over, and then a couple links that says, if you wouldn't mind, send me a review here or here. Or, hey, if you'd record a video review, that'd be even better. I mean, I, I think that there's just a conversation in that system. Do you know, does one work better
0: than the other? Uh, as far as the video review versus like a text review? Yeah. Yeah. Well, my, my default is always this man, like always go for the best. So the video review is definitely going to be the best because you can then repurpose that in multiple ways. But Aaron, here's, here's the, here's, here's the thing I'd love for people to think about the most as you're heading into 2021 is don't just think about uh, a testimonial as in once again, I got the checkbox, I got the testimonial, a dude don't ask for testimonials. Okay. That's, that's one thing that I tell people is is whenever people struggle getting testimonials or reviews or they're embarrassed to ask someone for it, it's because you're asking for a testimonial or review. And so what I do is I, I flip it around. And if you mind, if you don't mind, dude, I'll, I'll go like a minute. I'll tell you guys how to ask for better testimonials without asking. And you're going to get yeah. like... The- ones ever. And then you take those, if you can record them, because now then you've got it in video, which is the most believable possible way to, to, to get a testimonial. And then you can translate that to text or whatever you're wanting to elsewhere. So here's what I would suggest for agents and investors doing. And if you guys do this on your closings, if you do it on all of them, you're going to be so far ahead of the game in 2021, 2022 with your credibility, which is going to be Amplified the need is going to be amplified this next year for that. When you're at a closing, or if it's not you, if it's a team member of yours, you can train them how to do this. You ask them, you say, Hey, yeah, I was so pumped to be able to work with you on this transaction. I know there were a couple you know bumpy spots on it, but I'm 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 really excited that we're at the end of it and you guys are moving into the house or you sold the house or whatever it is. And I would ask for feedback now. I'd say uh, it, this is the point where someone would say, Hey, can I record a testimonial? Right. And here's, here's the reason why Aaron, before I, I walk through my process, here's the reason why you never ask for testimonials. As soon as you do nine and a half or 9.9 out of 10 of those people you're asking for testimonial are not on video every day. They're not comfortable recording videos of themselves, uploading them to websites and Facebook. Yeah. So what, what do they do? They put their testimonial face on and then they go, okay, yeah, I, gu- I guess I'll do it. And pretty much everything that they tell you in that testimonial is going to be generic. It's not going to come from the heart. Uh, it's just going to be they're going to say what they think you want to hear, and it's going to be like, "Hey, it was great working with Aaron, and you know he really served us well, and the transaction closed quick." Okay, awesome. And that's what most people's testimonials look like, but it's not the best stuff. Now, here's what I'd do. I'd say, All "Right, um, you know, uh, it was a pleasure working with you." Da da da. You mind if I get some feedback from you? Because we're always looking at, at improving the way that we serve our clients. And, um, you might, if I get some feedback from you to ask a couple questions, they're always going to say yes to that. Okay. Half the people might say no to a testimonial, but they're always going to say yes to give me feedback. And so then they'd say, yes, you go, okay, amazing. Um, what was it, the, you know, was there anything about the service to kind of surprise you in a good way that, um, that, you know, now that we're here, that you saw uh, this amazing thing happen that you didn't expect. And oftentimes they'll say, you know what? Uh, I was really, really pleased in how fast this sold, or I really didn't think it was gonna sell for as much as it did, or whatever it was. And you can continue to ask questions there. And then ask the questions of ask the journey. Okay, how did they hear about you? Why did they choose you? Was there anything that they were hesitant of in choosing to work with you um, that they overcame? And so I'd say, Hey, so just curious, how'd you find out about us again? They're gonna tell you. And then I would say, I'm sure you found, I'm sure you looked at multiple options and multiple off, you know, other options before working with us. I'm just kind of curious. Uh, what was it that tipped it over the edge to to work with us? They'll tell you. Okay. And you write some stuff down and then next uh, they're going to tell you that and go, is there anything that you were nervous about at all before you chose to work with us? Like, or was there anything you were looking at on our site or about our service or that you thought maybe we couldn't do, but then you ended up over getting overcome. And they're like, yeah, there's this one thing here. You go, Okay, cool. I'm going to write it down. And so then you ask them the whole journey. Now, now that the transaction is closed, you know, how do you feel? Uh, were we able to solve this problem for you the way that you hope they're going to tell you? And then you go, man, that was so good. I, I've got some notes here. Uh, there's a lot of people that are, are weighing the same option that you weighed on who to work with. And if they had the same information, it'd be really, really helpful and it help them to have an amazing experience. We want to help more people here locally. So they're not working with providers that are just not doing a good job. Would you be comfortable if we recorded kind of what you just said on a short video? And then we can just share that with other people that are looking to make the option almost all of them are going to say yes now because it, it's not the testimonial face. It's, it's straight up. And, and here's the thing Aaron. you coached them through what to say already. They already know what to say because you, they just said it all. Okay. Yeah. Now you already know exactly what they're going to say. Cause they already said it all and you can coach them on that and you can say, cool, I'm just going to pull up my camera. And I'm going to ask you a few of those same questions I just asked you and just, you know, give a similar answer. Um, and that will be perfect. That sound good. You're going to get the best testimonials and then you never have to ask for another testimonial ever again. Ask for feedback, ask for their journey, ask for why they chose you, what other options they weighed, why they ended up working with you. Is there anything they're nervous about? And the reason I'm saying this, Aaron, is you want all of the objections that are going through the mind of someone that's choosing uh, this, uh, deciding to choose you or someone else right now. You want to know what objections did they have that they overcame to work with you? Because you want to pull those objections out of the testimonial and that's what needs to get posted. You need to join that conversation, that mind, all those objections. Well, I thought you wouldn't sell it as fast or you're really young or I didn't see a lot of testimonials about your stuff or, you know, for a a direct house cash buyer, I thought you were going to lowball me, but you know what? It was actually more than you actually gave me more than I thought it was going to be. That kind of thing. Yeah,
1: that is is great advice for getting a testimonial. And I think all the agents can use that. And as, as you start to build your credibility hub and putting them in all those places. I think it's great advice to say, hey, have one spot where you bring in all that stuff. You got mm-hmm. Zillow, you got Facebook. Especially this year, like it's been weird to figure out the long-term plan of social media. You've seen big influencers saying like, hey, I need everybody to text me so I have your phone number in case this... Like TikTok was getting shut down and then it wasn't. And then it was like, but imagine the people like the or big Instagram accounts got shut down. Like people, they said the wrong thing. They get shut down. It was their livelihood. So having a, having a hub where everything is pulling it in from all those places, then sharing it out to all those places. Great, great idea. And then being able to, again, you get to ask them the in, informal questions like that. You get the right answers. And then you say, Hey, can I record that now? Now they've already done it. Makes it so much easier. And I totally get why that one works. So 2020. So right after COVID hit, I remember looking at some cha- some charts with you and the amount of people looking to sell their homes for like three weeks was like done. It went from like people searching to nobody searching, mm-hmm. but it was like that for just about everything. For a few weeks in the world, anything people were doing other than looking for toilet paper, they just weren't doing it anymore. Right. And so, but then a few weeks later, searches went way up and searches went, went way up. You know, I fire sold a couple houses right when COVID hit. Cause I was, I was afraid. I was absolutely afraid the market was gonna crash. I dropped some prices cheap to get rid of them. In hindsight, I should have kept them because the market shot up after that. So I remember seeing the stats of, now more people started searching. Have you guys seen more investors and more agents signing up for your service? Have you seen more, are there more people? So, cause what you were able to show me before was there are more leads out there and your customers got 500,000 leads this year. So people are looking to sell their house. are more people trying to buy their house, or more people signing up for the service?
0: Yeah, dude. So it, uh, this year's been interesting, right? Because l- just like with you, I think we were all looking at and, and trying to figure out what is what impact is COVID going to have? Is it just going to shut things down? You know, is our business going to have to completely shift? Whatever it is, and and we had that about three to four week period. You know, where where business did soften uh, for us even. And, and it wasn't, I think the thing I, I want to encourage everyone to look at is you always have to ask, is there a fundamental, uh, you know, a reason why in the housing market or the economy, why this is being driven? Or is there something being driven by fear or a short-term phenomenon that's going to be gotten over? And with that, that was a fear or a short-term phenomenon. There wasn't anything at the fundamental base of the housing market or the economy that was, you know, going to cause people to not uh, want to be investors or agents or to buy or sell homes. And so we did think it was gonna be a temporary thing, but we didn't know if it was gonna be temporary and then set off a terrible economy and then it was go down or amplify something going up. So we actually had the best summer that you know, we've ever, ever had in the business. So uh, once May rolled around, June, July, August, uh, we hit record months uh, each and every, each and every uh, month. I think a lot of people were, had some more time uh, where they were in their house and they wanted to build their businesses and they saw real estate as an opportunity to do that. Uh, Aaron, we had a number of people, I, can't, say, I could tell you, can't tell you how many, but we had a number of people who had lost their job from COVID and they said, I don't want to have to lose my job ever again and I'm going to be, become a real estate investor or I'm going to become a real estate agent. So there's a good number of people who dove into the industry because they lost their job as a server at a restaurant in COVID and they don't want to have to put up with that uh, with whatever issues are going to happen in the restaurant in- industry for the next year or two. Uh, Now that's good and bad for existing agents and investors, right? More competition, and so that is one thing that we have continued to see is is we have seen a a good strong growth in our company, uh, but we've also seen a good strong growth in lead volume as a whole uh, for our clients. And and I'm not sure I'm not 100% sure heading into 2021, kind of what we're going to see. You know, uh, you know better than I do, but. Uh, inventories are really low still. Um, part of that, you know, foreclosures uh, plays a role in that, but there's other other reasons too. Some that are healthy and some that aren't related to COVID at all. But I think the competition part is something that every agent and investor is going to have to really look at. you know, going into 2021 is, is if the market does make any sort of correction as the foreclosures hit the market and whatever other dynamics are, are going to happen, if interest rates go up, and there's way more competition to flip houses, wholesale houses, or become a real estate agent than ever. How do you stand out? That's, that's the biggest question I want people to look at. And I think a lot of agents specifically, Aaron, are having their best month. We, we surveyed our agents this past uh, 30 days and we were asking like, what's your year, you know, your, your year over year income? What's, what's, your, you know, commission, what's your commission for this year versus last year? Um, let's gauge your, your month over month revenue. And we got all this stuff, dude. More people than I've ever seen are reporting best months ever, biggest year that I've ever had in 20-year career. Yeah, I've been through two cycles and like I've never had a month like this. And I just want to make sure agents specifically don't, uh, don't get caught up thinking that that's going to last forever and that you get, you get that business while it's here and do an amazing job doing it, but don't doing it while you're sacrificing your long-term. You need to build systems and processes that are going to be working for you well uh, when, that, when that gravy train kind of slows down, whenever that's going to happen. And that's where some of that organic online stuff happens. That's where tightening up your business, uh, making sure you're, you're running a good fiscally responsible business. Um, while the business is good and you don't have to uh, tighten up, do it right now. Uh, get some cash and sock it away. You build liquidity. And I would encourage all real estate agents uh, to build that liquidity while the money's coming in. And, and then definitely start to look at, okay, how do I now shift to the investor side of things in 2021, 2022, and see where I can't capture that opportunity?
1: Yeah. There was so much good stuff there that I, w- I want to dig into. But you know, a lot of our listeners on the Real Estate Rockstar side our agents that just became full-time agents this year. Yep. Yeah. You know, I've, I've I've got a buddy of mine out in Maui, Sean. I first met him as a at a server at a restaurant, and he was a server part of the time and an agent part of the time. Mm. And the and he has done exactly what you said. Now he's like, no, now he can't imagine himself going back to having a job that can get shut down and, and off or not. He you know took it took everything into his future into his own hands. He's like, no, he's full full-time real estate agent now. Can't see himself going back to that. But to be your own boss, and I know we have got tons of listeners out there like that you know last year a lot of what we were telling people was like niche down Mm. right in in all sorts of different businesses like find your niche find your focus whether it's online software companies or real estate or like the you know different sort of you know restaurant find your niche find your specialty and focus on that now something that happened in, in 2020 is the as supply has gone down so leads have gone, gone down, or it's been more competitive. What we found is we had to reverse that. So rather than niche down to, hey, these are the counties that when we go to them, to a foreclosure auction, we buy houses no matter what. And we buy 10 or 20 houses a month. Well, now there's a, a fifth of the number of sales. So we said, oh, in, in order to keep up, we're going to have to expand and expand and expand. And that's what we saw a lot of our, even our customers doing from our Roddy company is instead of just focusing on, you know, Dallas County, now they're covering six, seven, eight counties. So they're expanding or instead of buying houses that are just, you know, built in the last 20 years, now they're going to buy anything or instead of just doing residential, now they'll do multifamily or commercial or industrial. Are you, are you seeing any of that on your side or any of the future with software? Like people that we're doing residential, is it, is there more stuff happening with commercial and stuff on the, on what you've seen?
0: Yeah. So what, what we're seeing and what, and what we're uh, guiding people on as well, Aaron is it, we're seeing the same thing. You know, where a year ago, two years ago, we were hype. Some people to hyper folks and it's going really deep into the flipping or the wholesaling or land or whatever it was. And and now that inventory is tighter for houses and there's a lot of competition because there's a lot of people. We are seeing a good number of people start to add a second uh, type of real estate that they're investing into land. It is that you know? Vacant land is is one that a lot of people are adding to their portfolio. Um, one of the reasons for that is is number one, vacant land is is easier to buy with less competition. Right now, there's just so much competition for houses, and vacant land uh, is there's less competition for. And unless it's vacant land where it's like buildable, where developers and stuff like that are are looking for, it, you know, I'm talking vacant land in the middle of nowhere is an amazing business right now. Uh, there's hardly any competition for it. a lot of sellers literally don't talk to any other investor at all. It's just the one person. Um, another thing that we're seeing that's a trend for sure, Aaron, is going into the mobile home side of things. So while you see that the residential side really, really hot and really crazy, we're finding people go and find opportunities to uh, sell mobile homes, flip mobile homes, um, buy vacant land properties or a rundown house, tear it down, put an amazing mobile home on top of that. Uh, where they can. And also where housing prices are getting so high, the mobile homes, like really good mobile home, uh, 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 you know, the good quality stuff. I'm not talking like the, the the trailer park, trailer trash kind of stuff that people would kind of refer to. I'm talking to good quality manufactured homes. Those are really attractive right now. And so uh, if if you guys look at Warren Buffett as an example, you know, he bought Clayton Homes years ago because he saw that trend. He saw the trend in in the average take-home pay of of people in America really hasn't gone up much uh, as as compared to the overall cost of housing and other types of things. So you look at those trends and you go, well, something is going to break somewhere along the way. We've either got to get people's incomes going up at a faster pace or we've got to make housing more affordable. And so uh, the manufactured home market's going to be a really, really attractive one. The last one here, Aaron, that, that this is something I've been really driving for probably two years, and this year it's been catching on the most, and I've been having people talk about it, is with a real estate agent. Uh, real estate agents historically have like focus in on an agent or focus in on your agent model and everything looks, you know, everything looks like uh, it's got to fit in that pretty little listing box, right? It's got to be a house that's listing ready. Uh, not a lot of repairs. The person needs to be able to, to wait to sell it. You know, they, they don't have to like sell it now and get out of it. And if it doesn't fit that, they pass it aside and say the person's not serious or they're a tire kicker. They weren't a serious seller or whatever. On the investor side of things, you have those people over there going, everything's got to fit within this discount offer m- a model, which only like 10 to 20% of your total leads are going to fit in that. So 80 to 90% of your seller leads that you get uh, online or wherever are going to actually want retail. They're, they're not going to want the wholesale offer. And so what we've been really guiding people towards, and I think this is going to get e- amplified even more in 2021, Aaron, is the hybrid, is, is the agent and investor who now no longer looks at a seller with just one option. Hey, it's either a listing or it's not, or it's a house buyer or it's not. They're truly going in there with the listing with with their license and as an investor saying, I'm just here to serve you and try to find you the best option for you. Here's here's what you can get on the market at the at the high end, and this is probably what you should do. It's going to give you the most money. But if you're looking for speed, if you're looking for convenience and you're willing to give up some equity in, in exchange for that, here's this cash offer over here. So that's where I think agents and investors should expand is you should expand your offering uh, in order to serve more of the the same leads you're already getting now. Because as leads may get a little bit more scarce or harder competition, you as an agent and investor have to find a way to serve those leads in multiple ways and not throw away as many as you currently are.
1: Yeah. That's that kind of agent investor hybrid that you talked about, the, that's one of the things that we're, we're trying to put together, like a, some video and some you know, some training. We'll just do like a live Zoom call with a bunch of agents to show them what they could be doing with like the pre-foreclosure leads right now and the, and the post-bankruptcy leads. There's a lead that we have that was so, that back in 20, so our pre-foreclosure leads in Texas, right? Which is just, it's a list of people scheduled for foreclosure in three weeks, right? And last year, they were going to go to foreclosure and they had a few weeks to do it. And that's not enough time to really sell a house. So the business plan was you would door knock on the door. And if the house was worth 150 and they owed 100,000 on it, but they're just behind by a month, cause that's how quick the foreclosure process was a year ago. You would knock on the door and say, Hey, I'll give you 110,000 for your $150,000 house. Yeah. And they would say, okay, because walking away with 10,000 was better than getting foreclosed on now. That's different now. And one thing and one thing that I want to show agents, so the I'm still limited as an investor. If I go knock on a door and say, Hey, you're in foreclosure right now, your house is worth 150, but I can give you 110. Mm. The there's there's a gap there if they go, well, what if they owe 120 or 130? So yes, my old life would have said, All right, sorry, I can only give you one ten for it. And they leave and that's like a dead that's like a it's like an abandoned lead you know at the mastermind we did when we were over in napa i forget the guy that told us about he was talking about like the dead lead like the stuff that you could pick up off the floor and the stuff that you're throwing away and that's what that kind of lead is somebody says well no i need to sell it for 130 but agents, what you guys can be doing is different than what an investor can do because you can use those foreclosure leads. And I think this is going to be a big thing that's going to happen. And I'm going to start talking about a lot of foreclosure stuff here is those pre foreclosure leads being able to find somebody that's in foreclosure. There's two differences right now. One is used to, those foreclosure sales used to happen in three weeks or in California used to happen in 90 days. Or in in Colorado used to happen in 90 days or Oregon 90 days. Right now it's like six months, nine months, 12 months. So somebody gets the notice and they aren't getting foreclosed on right away. This is a super unique deal for real estate agents because real estate agents can do two things. They can, if you've got buyers right now and you're making offers, you know, I made three cash offers this week and I didn't even get full price and didn't even get a call back. There wasn't even like a thanks for submitting the offer. Like we weren't, and this was an on MLS, listed on MLS, full price offer, sold for 10 or 20 grand more. So now it's about, if you're somebody like that, if you're representing somebody trying to buy for you know, the full price and, they, and, and they're not successful, an agent can go knock on a door and say, hey, I've got a client that wants to buy a house in this neighborhood. You owe 120, your house is worth 150. I can pay you 150. Yep, That's a new thing. Or being able to say, hey, your house is worth 150. I can sell it for you. I have agents wanting to do that. So I think that is a gap that where you couldn't do it a year ago. Because foreclosures used to happen quickly, now there's all these moratoriums. It keeps getting postponed. It looks like it's going to extend at least part way into to 2021, and so it's still it's going to be a unique opportunity that changes that game a little bit. That now you can actually where before an agent couldn't say, "Oh my gosh, auctions in two weeks. Let me list your house for you on MLS."
0: Yep, right I mean, now you can. That opportunity there, I I love that man. I I'd never thought about that, and I want everyone from my audience, from the Carrot uh, Carrot Cast audience, from Carrot.com. Everyone from that, once you get to reverse that and and re-listen to it, because for both agents and investors, that's an amazing, amazing opportunity that only has a finite window, right? Like that's, that's not this window that, that this type of opportunity is going to be where it is for 12 years or five years. It's probably a six to 12 month opportunity where the most of it's going to be there. And especially for the real estate agents who, if you're in a market where inventory is crazy low and you're going like, oh my gosh, how do I find these listings? Do exactly what Aaron had mentioned. Go get the buyers, find out what they're looking for, what neighborhoods they want to be. And then you pull up the foreclosure data out of Aaron's software, right? And then you find those aren't foreclosures in those neighborhoods and create your own listings. Like guys, go, go create your own listings with those people who are motivated to do so. But they probably just have no clue that that, that option is available for them right now as a seller. And you go find the like market the buyers, market the buyers, get the buyers, reverse the process. And most people are getting the sellers, then get the buyers, but get the buyer, uh, Peg where they want to be, like Aaron said, look it up in, in, uh, in, in there in software, and you guys create your own listings. I love that strategy, man. That's yeah. Good.
1: I, and I bet on that same note, like wholesalers used to have to buy the house for 100 or 110 so they could sell it for 120, 130. Yep. But they were selling it to another investor. Mm-hmm. But right now, wholesalers can be selling it to agents. Right, yep. so wholesaler gets that offer for 130, 140. Well, hey, that isn't usually enough spread for that. But let me call the, some local agents and see if they have any clients right now that would want to buy that home for retail. Mm. Right, so the you know it's one agent instead of two on the track or something. I think there's th- there's going to be opportunities for those leads that we used to say no to, as people get to learn about that. You know, there's there's a lot of extra fun stuff. I just wanted to kind of talk about what we saw this year and maybe see what you what you've seen on your side and and what you think is going to to happen so it's like this year i remember in april and may you know every people were airbnb in my house and they canceled they had weddings and they canceled and it was like no it's not going to happen anymore and at, in like may i'm like oh my gosh i'm gonna have to sell this house it's a bad investment now but then end of may june airbnb started coming back and it almost seemed right now it feels like people prefer airbnb to hotels yep. so the they're hey we can go there with a couple families and enjoy our life at of hotel so we've seen a ton of hotels scheduled for auction in Texas right now, kind mm. of like holiday in and like brand name, like super nice hotels getting listed for foreclosure with foreclosures that are like half the price of the value. Like, Hey, $15 million hotel, $8 million note going to sale. The, a lot of those, more than we've ever seen before hotels and commercial getting scheduled for foreclosure. And I see that as the, you know, Airbnb has been going up. Hotels have been going down and so that's a that's something that I think we're still going to see for a little while an opportunity that I see with that is so one of the things that Biden has talked about is they're they're going to be so going after low-income housing mm-hmm. so creating low-income housing creating supplemental to try to create affordable housing for, they don't even call it low-income but a create affordable housing housing that people can afford so when you talk about those mobile homes those prefab homes that's going to be a big thing like what you talked about you know, in the Bay Area, uh, in California, they bought rundown, abandoned hotels, and homeless people moved into them, Mm -hmm. right? And like, saw they were like, hey, no one's staying at this hotel anymore. It's going out of business. I think there could be big opportunities in like the hotel, the multifamily space and spaces right now that aren't getting used the way that they should be. And figuring out what sort of opportunities will be out there for, you know, converting a hotel to low income housing. You know, converting Mm -hmm. something like that, you know, there's so but we've definitely seen more hotels getting settled for foreclosure than ever before. And I do think there's going to be a return to it. One of the guests that we had on a month or two ago, he said, look, we miss going and having real experiences Mm -hmm. uh, with stuff. When we were when my family was on our road trip, we got to Jackson Hole. They remembered this toy store. Right from the time we had been in Jacksonville, Wyoming a couple years ago. It's this really cool high end toy store hands on thing. And that was our first stop we went to in Jackson. And our kids got to go to the toy store and they get to see all these cool toys. That's an experience right? Like people miss Toys R Us. People miss going in and it's not because they can't get it cheaper on Amazon because I promise anything I got in that toy store was definitely cheaper on Amazon if I'd have done it that way. But people kind of miss the experience. So there might not be as many toy stores out there, but maybe they'll get cooler. There might not be as many hotels out there, but the ones that are left are going to have really cool experiences. Yep. You know, So I think that we're going to see an
0: increase in creativity to enhance the experience. Mm -hmm. all all around, man. And that's the same thing. That's one interesting thing with both investors and agents is, is I want everyone to think really entrepreneurially and, and and get out of that box where I I am an agent. So therefore my business is just listing homes or selling homes. Um, ideally you guys, you guys have the ground floor of what's happening in real estate in your market. And like here locally, as an example, there's some deals that are going to be coming up the next three, six, eight months where restaurants uh, are just not doing well. And, uh, there's going to be opportunities to put something else in those, or even acquire those buildings at way cheaper than even even you could even build those properties. Uh, one thing that we're seeing downtown here, where I live, I own a couple buildings downtown, uh, and one of them that that we started to pivot to was a lot of the local craftsmen people like that lost all their opportunity to go do the holiday fairs to do all the summer you know stuff where where they would have all all their their stuff at the at the local f- the craft fair. Those are all gone. And so they're looking for opportunities to sell their wares, especially in the holiday season. And so creating those pop-up shops, if you're an agent and you're looking to try to get a, a agent or an investor and you're looking to try to get a property that's vacant filled uh, for the holiday season or just at all, so you've got rent coming in. Uh, guys, get creative and find out what other businesses are still selling stuff well, but they've lost their opportunities because of the COVID impact, where they usually would have the big fair or the big event and now bring them into your into your building and have them pay you for the next three, four, five, six months, one month, whatever it is, start to get that property cash flowing again. Another couple of dynamics that, that'll be interesting to track, Aaron, is this is uh second home sales like vacation homes yeah. have been skyrocketing. And so uh I, I don't I don't know. I'd, I'd love to dig into the the psychology behind some of this but second homes vacation homes have been skyrocketing uh, the auto industry okay dude people are buying cars faster than they can produce them right now which is insane yeah um, uh, my wife and I we were you know in the market for getting her new one and in the second that we would find one uh, you know in at any of the GMC dealerships in Oregon uh, we would be negotiating with the person and then it would get bought out from underneath us since so we said shoot, I guess if we're looking for a new car, we can't negotiate really. Like we might get like a thousand bucks off, maybe 15, but um, not the five or six grand off of MSRP that I would usually on a brand new car be able to negotiate out for the, you know, for the 2021 model. And so what, what I'm looking at is this, I don't have the answer, but I like for people to look at it and track it and look at the opportunity that may be ahead and, and look at the dynamics behind why people are spending. There are definitely people doing way better during COVID because of their business was uh, conducive to it. And there's a lot of people doing way worse, right? And so with all these second homes, with all the vacation homes, with all the autos being purchased and tons of these large expenditures happening right now, what what I want to look out for is in a year and two years and three years, I think that a lot of those people that are probably overspending right now, uh, I think a lot of them are going to run into some trouble. You know, They're going to run into trouble and need to sell that vacation home in two, three, four years for possibly less than they bought it for. Um, or they've overburdened themselves with a lot of payments from different types of things, their car or whatever it is. And that's where an investor or an agent can go and really serve those people well. So I think there's going to be a lot of things that are going to be stacking up over the next few years uh, that are going to be not fun economically for a lot of people. And that's where savvy investors, savvy agents can really go in, think ahead and start to help uh, you know, be that guide for people, be that trusted guide to help wade them, help them wade through the situation. So you're saying that you're saying
1: more people are buying second homes than ever before. It's kind of the people are like, Hey, if I can't go travel all over the place, maybe I want that one safe place to go to the, is that, is that what you're saying? They're skyrocketing. It's just demand for a lot, a lot of people are buying their second home for the first time. Yep. It,
0: exactly. There's, there's a lot of, a lot of demand for that property. And they're selling really, really fast in lots of different spots. And, and like I said, you, you couple that with the boom and the auto sales side of it. Um, I think there's just be a lot of ex- expenses that are on people's books that I think we're going to, you're, you're going to need to be really fiscally responsible in the next two to three years. And it's easy to spend when things are going great. And what I want to look out for is if, and when things start to shift economically in the next one, two, three years, there's going to be a lot of those people that are way over leveraged, uh, that people that are listening to this, this podcast can go and actually serve them well as an investor or an agent, buying those assets at a discount and helping those people out of those situations. Yeah. That is
1: such a great point to try to, cause The people that are succeeding right now i'm going to say there's a lot of luck in it i've got three or four different businesses and one of my businesses has been absolutely absolutely crushed this year luckily i have several but my rental business i i wouldn't say it's luck it's performing better than it ever has because of some of the other things that have happened you know zoom obviously is worth way more than it was there's certain businesses you know airbnb thought they were going broke they ipo'd yesterday and, and they like doubled right when they, right when they opened. Like, like they went from, are we going out of business to huge publicly traded company? And yep. so being able to keep an eye on that, there are some things that are performing well right now that when things go back to normal and everything opens up again, they might not be doing as well. It's really easy to spend right now when I have four kids, when we travel, it's, 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 it's expensive, Right, yep. and we like to fly places a lot, and we do a bunch, a whole bunch of things as part of our homeschooling stuff. So there's extra. So there's a little bit of extra money when you're not traveling. It makes it easy to like get in bad habits. People aren't going out to eat as often. People aren't doing that as often. They're spending money on these extra things. So, so what your your point that you're making there to the listeners is pay attention to what people are spending money on. Pay attention to what's going on because some of this is artificial demand that will go away. And what's going there are cars selling above MSRP you know, there are cars that like, especially like higher demand ones, they're like, Hey, here's our ticket. We're selling it for way more. Cause we only have one of them and we're yeah. only going to get one of them. When we went to go buy an RV uh, back in July and August, we kept like searching for RVs and there was nothing available on the lot. And they would sell it. We ended up you know, going to buy a used one. I've tried to go buy a hot tub on black Friday from a guy from a company. And I'm like, Hey, now's the time to buy it. And I'm like, I'll give you the cash. And, and how long is the wait? He's like, it's going to be six weeks. And I'm trying to buy the hot tub right now. And I'm calling him. Let me give you the money. Let me give you the money. And it's not like a guy selling his used tub. It's a hot tub company that sells thousands of tubs. And I wasn't, like, I called him like six times to try to pay for the hot tub order. And he just had so many orders coming in. And he knew that it was going to be six or eight weeks before. that He didn't even, like, end up calling me back after, like, eight times of me saying, take my money. So that's that's how much of a weird, crazy demand is out there. But yep. the, yeah, I'm going to be able to buy a hot tub in two years for probably, you know, half price.
0: For which yeah.
1: they're going to be sitting on the sides of the road. Yeah. yeah. The, the, the play sets and backyards, the, those were at like a three-month waiting period. Now they're, now they're not. The, so one of the things I mentioned, one of my businesses is doing really good that we saw in 2020, our rental occupancies are way up. Mm. And so the, so when we're seeing, we were 80, 90% occupied on, on a few hundred units. The And now post-COVID, we're 99% occupied and people are staying more often than not. People are unsure about moving. It's kind of right. like, let's let's not do anything. And so when it comes time to renewals too, we're, some of them were, you know, were very commonly raising rent or the higher of either 8% or whatever the rent's estimate is. So at time of renewal, we will tell you if they're paying a thousand bucks right now, it's either gonna autom- they're it's at every year, but we're doing this now like 30 a month. It's either gonna increase to 1,080, or if the rents estimate says 1100 we're going to say we're going to do 1100. So we put in our contracts 8% or rents estimate whichever's higher. If they're already paying over rents estimate, we're going to do an 8% increase. So people that are listening out there right now with rental assets, rental assets are going kind of through the roof like that. You can you can increase rents more than you could before on turnovers because the risk and stress of moving is offsetting that. I don't know how long that's going to last. I'm not necessarily going to underwrite that I'm going to be able to, to raise 8%, but since May Every month, every annual renewal that comes in, we're able to do that uh, pretty exclusively, and that's that's been kind of impressive. Another thing we've seen with our rentals more recently is the CDC eviction moratorium forms. Yeah. Like, so there was a foreclosure, there was an eviction moratorium that said, "Hey, you can't uh, evict somebody if you have a Fannie Mae Freddie Mac loan." Well, we didn't have one of those, and so then we were able to start doing it. Like, let's say you own a property in cash. Well, then you were able to. Now there's a CDC form that's filled out that where they say. I'm at risk of getting COVID if I get evicted and they sign that and it cancels the eviction completely. Now we have 12 people in that status right now. Now that's, that's not the end of, uh, end of the world when you have 300 houses, but if you have one house or two house and somebody sends that to you, the, it's not fun to be a landlord anymore. Yep. The, especially if you are still paying your mortgage and somebody isn't paying you, there are a lot of those out there. So I think there are big opportunities to, for people to try to see, I think there's probably a way for for people to go to their local area and see who's posted for eviction right now, which eviction cases are on hold because what happens is they, they file for eviction and then there's a CDC notice and then it gets placed on hold right now until January 4th. There's probably hundreds, if not thousands in certain counties that are on this backlog of this landlord is not getting paid and he, you know, his person is there and not paying rent and he might need help out of that house. He might be ready to sell that house right now because it's, uh, it's been a frustrating thing. So I think that there's, although if you have a lot of houses, it's a small percentage of people that are doing it for people that have only one or two. I think there's a lot of landlords out there right now that are absolutely getting screwed because they don't have protection to not pay their mortgage and the, and people don't have to pay rent anymore to stay in the house. So I think that was an
0: interesting thing that we'll see how long that lasts into 2021. But you guys yeah. are seeing the same thing over there. Yeah, that, that right there is, is interesting. And I want same thing. I want investors to reverse and, and, and re-listen to that because as, as I look at this, I go, who, who out there needs help, right? Who out there needs help and you as an investor or you as an agent have the skill set to help. Uh, those people need help, just like, just like Aaron was saying. So that might be a great opportunity in that early 2021 time phase uh, to pull up that list uh, inside of the software. And then, you know, and then start to reach out to those people uh, and just say, hey, do you have do you have uh, an eviction that you're trying to process or like whatever it is, whatever they are going to land on, because there's definitely going to be some in there who can't make that rent or can't make their their mortgage payment uh, for two, three, four, five, six months. They just can't handle that. And so they might even have equity in the property. But then you look at it. I, I don't know what the guidelines are around the CDC forum but they probably aren't going to be able to sell that on the MLS, right? Because if they have a tenant in there who has the CDC form, and if that CDC form uh, goes to a new owner, uh, they're probably not going to be able to easily sell that in the MLS for good value because you have a tenant in there who you cannot evict out, uh, which is going to make it almost unsellable in the MLS. But you as an investor can come in there uh, if you negotiate a good enough discount, and if you know that person will be out in three months or whatever it is, you can buy them at a really really good rate. Possibly uh, buy it away from that that investor who so they don't get foreclosed whenever that may happen. And then uh, you know as soon as the as soon as the COVID stuff eventually goes away, sometime soon, hopefully yeah. <laughs> that uh, they will have a cash flowing property. Dude, one one thing that was interesting. So you were mentioning. Uh, you're mentioning you know, the rent payments obviously going up and all that being really strong and people not wanting to move out of properties uh, because of the COVID side. I'm going to share really fast the same data set that I shared earlier when we were uh, on the podcast, but this is the updated version of it. And I, yeah. went, through, I went through and pulled a few more kind of uh, variables here. So everybody who's watching the video version of this, I've got my analytics, my Google analytics pulled up for our 8,000 clients, okay, our real estate investors, real estate agents uh, that are bringing in you know, somewhere around 75 to 85,000 leads a month. Most of them are house sellers. And what I want to walk you through here is this really fast. At the top, this is like all of the lead sources combined. And this, this Aaron, this goes all the way back to January 1st. So it's January 1st through right now. And when we originally did the podcast, we were right in this range somewhere and you guys can see here this is kind of the, the standard trend going into the spring things start to pick up but then the shutdowns hit right around here that's when that dip on sessions or web searches happened. okay so less people for a couple weeks by so about 20 percent they stop searching but then throughout the summer you guys can see sessions or overall web visits from paid searches organic your google searches all that it grew a lot and then it just blew up in september And then it's normalizing for the fall here. Okay. That's kind of like a good normal normalization for the fall and winter. This is what we had pointed out earlier on the original podcast was conversion rates took a big hit, uh, took a big hit when the shutdowns happened. And so you can see right here is that same March time period, your conversion rates on your website went down, but those didn't rebound. And so that's something they rebounded a little bit, right? They rebounded within that phase. So March, it took a big hit, but then they rebounded up to, up to, just below co- pre-COVID levels. Um, and this is the interesting thing. So let me go down to organic traffic now. Okay, so this is organic traffic. Organic traffic has just continually grown and grown and grown and grown and grown. There's more and more people that are looking to buy and looking to sell, and they're looking for sit- for people who can help them do that. But over here, look at this, guys. Organic conversion rates have dipped, 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 dipped. So you have this dichotomy demand is increasing but conversion rates are going down a little bit it's not because the people are going and choosing a different solution usually it's because the exact reason that Aaron mentioned that they're researching they have the problem but they've come to the conclusion that they want to wait this out until they're until the covid situation's over or it's better or whatever and so that's what's going to be really interesting is there is going to be this pent up demand of houses that now are going to be on the market where people are looking to sell them because they're not fearful of the covid thing anymore And that's going to be really interesting to see what happens. So uh, we talk about marketing. Now, how do we capture this opportunity in marketing? You know, if you're an investor or an agent, number one, the demand is there. People are researching. This right here is them researching online. This is them looking at the stuff we talked about earlier. They're looking at websites. They're looking to see who they want to work with. They're finding solutions to their problems. They're probably saving some of those. And what you guys need to do is make sure you have a really simple retargeting campaigns going. Okay. Just place that Facebook pixel on your sites uh, and then create a few videos, uh, put testimonials in your Facebook remarketing campaigns, so you can follow those people for months and months and months. So when they are ready, you're going to capture that demand. Um, one last thing, Aaron. Here was paid marketing. This is really interesting. Paid marketing stayed pretty consistent, but for anyone who anyone who was doing paid marketing really, really well while the the costs were low uh, in the summer, going into early fall, man. Uh, paid marketing costs are crazy low. Like we spent more money on paid ads in those months than we ever have and got a great return because a lot of advertisers pulled their money back just because of fear or their business was decimated. Yeah. But then of course election season comes in. So look look right here. Your paid spiked because the real estate market really, really hot. Ads were crazy cheap in this time period, right there through you know, start at end of July through August, ads are insanely cheap. Okay. So we saw a lot of people driving lots of leads. This is that same time period. There are lots of leads coming in and then election season happens. They start ramping up their ads, make ads expensive again. And then also because of a lot more businesses coming back in and that initial fear gone, your ad costs went up again. Um, But conversion rate on ads uh, stayed very, very similar. So uh, if your ad cost has gone up and you're one of the ones that's saying, I'm killing it, I'm pulling back, Uh, I think you guys don't like, don't do that. Um, I think there's gonna be a really good opportunity in the next one to six months on those who stay with their ads and and stick with it. And then just find a way to do more, uh, find a way to do hybrid. Like we talked before, if you're an agent, how can you take more of those and and collab with local investors to buy the houses and flip them or whatever it is. If you're an investor, how do you take 80% of the seller leads that are coming and not throw them away, but collab with an agent to make more of the leads you're buying or the more of the leads that you're getting actually profitable and that's going to help you spend more through this. So, there's going to be a lot of people being fearful about their ad spend and I don't think you should be. You shouldn't shouldn't stop your ads right now. You should keep them going. That's a good point. Before you before
1: you cut out of there, you know, for the people that are just just listening to this, you know, back pre-COVID, we kind of peak around 50,000 people searching, right? Mm-hmm. Like and it would it would range between 40 and 50 and then in April it dropped to about 10,000 sessions below that. And then by the time May hit, it was higher than it, than it had ever been. Huge spikes in September, like he said, where that's you know, the average kind of top in September is like maybe 60,000, 66,000. Look, looks like some of those peaks there. So this is per day, per, per day across our, our clients' websites. That's a lot of people. So yeah. So pre-COVID, you'd get between forty and 50,000 people per day searching like sell my house fast. Now it's it's between fifty five and sixty five. So you're you know twenty five percent more people making that search now, and that's on the everybody says there's a supply problem on the supply side. You know twenty five percent more people are searching. How do I sell my house fast mm-hmm. now? And the and then on the organic side, if you look at that number, like back in April, the people that were like hitting your sites, uh, it looks like it's maybe it was like five thousand a month. And, uh, and that green one on your lower left, Trevor, in your organic yeah. session. Organic side, yeah. yeah. So you're 7,000 uh, know, a day, right? So you're getting 7,000 hits a day to your client sites. And now you're getting 20,000 hits a day. Yep. So three times as many people actually getting those sites. You saw huge peaks in September. One day was even you know, 15,000.
0: I'd love to see what happened. On the, I was guessing that maybe that was election day that a bunch of people said sell my house. but Yeah, uh, I'm not sure what that one was. Yeah, there was one day it, it creeped up to 52,000 and went back down. Th- those anomalies, you never know what the heck those are. But yeah, right. right now it's, it's in the 15,000 to 20,000 organic uh, searchers are landing on our client sites every single day right now.
1: Very cool. Yeah. So, this, I, so, you know, what Trevor is showing there, one of the other, like, as we look back at 2020, was like inventory is way down. So, that's what we talked about. So, if there's, there's less inventory out there and agents and investors, you have to go find it. And what Trevor has shown us is it's not that it's not there. There's actually more people desperate to sell their house now than were before. There is more people looking to upsize uh, than before. There's more classes that need help. Like I bet I bet some of those hotel people would sell their hotels, right? Yep. I, you know, there's more opportunity out there to diversify. So inventory's been down, but you know, challenging people to go find that inventory, make it yourself. You know, do the you know, agents put on your investor hat and you can make the same conversation instead of saying, Hey, I'll buy your house for 100000 You say I have a client that's gonna buy your house for 150. I'm going to yep. get your retail right now and be able to flip it on that investor side. So some cool things if you get to think as both an investor and an agent, even if you're only one or the other, learn a little bit of that skill set from that other side, you know. And I was going to ask you about marketing spend, and I'm glad that you said right now your biggest uh, point was don't take your foot off the gas. Maybe it's not getting as much out of it right now, but that's because we're in expensive ad time. Uh, there's still you know until January because of re, you know re-elections and. and uh, a runoff elections, and then Christmas, it probably is more expensive to get that ads, but we'll probably see ad prices go back down uh, in January. You know, we mentioned that iBuyers took a
0: break this year. That was another thing I kind of wanted to, yep. you know, to hit on. Yep. And one, one really interesting thing about that too, Aaron, is, you know, for the past two years, we've been really driving this hybrid thing, right? We're like, agents should be investors, investors should be agents, and here's why. And I, I think that's, I don't think that's the future. It's where we are now. Dude, what was really interesting uh, was about a month ago, both open door and offer pad. If you go on their sites now, do their straight up hybrid. Now they're straight up hybrid. It's we will buy your house or we will list it. Like that's specifically what they're both saying now. And so if you guys want to know where things are going, and if you're an agent or an investor and you're not fully embracing the other way to solve a a motivated seller or a house sellers problem. And and for me, Aaron, hybrid is a seller. uh, Hybrid is a seller strategy. Hybrid is not a buyer strategy. Okay. Hybrid is a seller strategy. And here's what I mean by that is, is sellers need to sell. And there's multiple ways to, to help them do that. Yep. If they want speed and convenience, once again, like we talked about earlier, uh, there's the, the, the purchase, the direct purchase offer. And, and you're going to be offering at a discount in exchange for speed and convenience. Same way that people go, you know, buy a house or a buy, buy a car at the car lot. The very next thing the car lot person is going to put across your desk is like, hey, do you have a car to try to trade in? And almost every single person says, "Yes, I would definitely rather trade you that in versus me going to Craigslist and posting it, and all the hassles that would go with that." And I know you're going to be giving me less money than I could sell it to at Craigslist. But when you talk a lot, of, uh, talk to a lot of agents, and a lot of agents will go like, "Why is it, Why would the person ever sell for less than they could get it on the market? Did that person know that they could have sold it not for one sixty-five, but for two twenty-five or two hundred or whatever, one eight or two eighty, whatever it is on the market?" And guys, that's not it. it, it it's it, they'll say that you know, people say that say that out of one side, but then they'll go to the car lot and trade it in at a discount, knowing that they could have sold it elsewhere because it was quick and it was convenient. Okay, and so uh, that's what we're seeing there, guys. Is open door offer pad? They're going into that same thing. So you've got to be stepping into that in a big way. Um, and with the ad spend, uh, here's here's kind of an analogy, possibly that might help people to to kind of wrap their head how around how to do this right now. Uh, if you are an investor or an agent, and you have been doing, you know, Google Ads or Facebook Ads or you know whatever it is, and your your ROI has gone down, but you're still profitable, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't kill that. Like I said, I'd find more ways to serve those leads and close them in different ways, right? Try to do some owner finance or creative finance and the ones that have no equity. You know, try to uh, partner with an agent or be an agent and list the ones that don't want a cash offer. Or if you're an agent, once again, partner with an investor to make the cash offer and share in those profits. But at the end of the day, you saw the demand happening there. So there's more people landing on the sites. It's this pressure that's building up. This pressure is building up, and when it releases, those people are going to want to and need to solve their problems. Who do you think they're going to go to, Dude, They're going to go to the ones that they have been seeing and hearing about consistently over the past one, two, three, four, five, six months in their Facebook feed, okay, uh, in you know their email box, whatever it is. And so if you guys. Don't have Facebook remarketing on. That at the very least, turn that on. Okay, at the very least, turn that on. Right now, Aaron, about forty percent of our new our, of our new customers this past two months, forty percent, and we only spend a couple grand a month on Facebook ads. Forty percent of them bought uh because their last action was one of our remarketing ads. Forty percent. Yeah, okay. the majority. That's crazy. What it is the majority of our traffic. Comes from organic searches. People going to Google, typing things in, landing on our websites. But we place the pixel. We follow up with them good with content, credibility, testimonials. Forty percent of our you know, about sixteen hundred new members the past two months uh, came by clicking a Facebook ad. You know, and and for all of you guys listening, that you know,
1: using the Facebook pixel, I'll break it down to three easy steps. It's much quicker and much easier than you think. If you say you want to do this, it'll take you fifteen or twenty minutes, if that. So you go to Facebook, you go to like your business.facebook.com or your ads, Facebook. So it's ads.facebook. So you go and you say you want want to do an ad. In there, there's a little search box. Just type in pixel. It's P-I-X-E-L. That'll tell you where your pixel is. And you go to this page and you can say add a pixel and you call it my real estate website pixel. It'll say name it. And then it says, okay, now here's the four ways you get it on your site. You either email this to the guy that built your website or you do that. There's like three or four different ways to get your pixel. And what that does, it's just like a Google tracking thing. So now every time someone hits your site, Facebook can actually show you a chart and say 10 people hit your site this day, 100 people hit your site this day. So now Facebook knows. They won't tell you who they are. Facebook won't say this is the guy that went to your site, but they'll tell you 100 people went to your site. But what they will let you do is then you can create an ad that says, hey, I want to send an ad to only people that came to my site. And you, it's, and it's using that pixel. So they won't tell you who those 10 guys are, or those hundred will, but they'll let you send an ad just to them. Yep. And in that ad, you can record a video that says, Hey, thanks for checking out my website. I want to make sure that you notice this, this, and this about me. And, you know, you wonder when you go to a site where all of a sudden, then you go on Facebook and you see every different version of it on the ad. That's what it is. It's a very simple process. And if you're not a techie that can seem overwhelming, it's totally not go to the Facebook ads, type pixel. They walk you through the steps, send a very simple ad. If you guys accomplish that, you're going to get a bunch of bang for your buck as you look at what your ads are going to be this year. And, you know, this has been a, a really fun conversation. You know, the funny thing is, is Trevor and I could probably talk for, for hours, but I know that our listeners don't necessarily want to hang on for hours at a time. Very quickly, I want to talk about the foreclosure kind of buildup stuff. And just for the opportunity of what's out there, a lot of it, a lot of this is going to be for the, the carrot listeners, right? In Texas in particular, we pre-COVID, we would have 5,000 postings a month. These are people scheduled for foreclosure. Of those 1,500 would actually get foreclosed on three weeks later. And then, you know, 3,500 would have some form of a workout. They'd pay, the, they'd, they'd pay their mortgage to get back. So 5,000 a month getting posted, 1,500 a month actually getting foreclosed on. Right now in the state of Texas, because of this buildup, we have about a thousand postings a month mm. and 150 houses selling. Wow. Mm. So that's less than a quarter of what we were at before. So what does that tell So it's 10% of the houses actually selling and a quarter getting posted. So what does that tell you? So if in a normal month, there's 5,000 postings for foreclosure, and this is just Texas, and this will extrapolate across the whole US, right? If it's usually 5,000 ounce a thousand, there's 4,000 people there that are in distress, not COVID related, not people that are, you know, have chosen to be on deferral payments, but 4,000 people that would normally be in foreclosure that have, that are, but they just haven't sent them the notice yet. And there are an extra 1,350 people a month in Texas that would have been foreclosed on. They aren't getting out of the, the process. I mean, there's, there are some people that are now able to sell it. So let's say people like you, you're going to take my advice, you're going to go door knock and do those. Maybe you guys can buy half of them or a quarter of them, but still every month we're getting a thousand of this shadow inventory that are vacant, abandoned houses that should be getting foreclosed on. We're getting 4,000 that are in a form of dis- of distress that's getting postponed. This has happened now for seven months, eight months, nine months. So it's nine months so far. So that could be what? 40,000 in a shadow inventory uh, uh, that's ready to be posted for foreclosure in Texas. And that's 10,000, 15,000 that should have been foreclosed on by now. The if, When there was Hurricane Harvey out in Houston, they did they have four months, no foreclosures. As soon as it came on, they listed them all that day. So you had four months of foreclosures in one day. They didn't do it slowly. It was four months in one day. If we see that happen again, we could see a day in January or February or March, as soon as they open it back up where there's 40,000 postings in a month for a state. And if it happens that way in Texas, it'll happen that way in California or New York or wherever you got Florida, wherever you guys are, it's this buildup that could all of a sudden happen where that creates this huge opportunity for those things. As you gear up with some of those processes. Now just keep your eye on it. Whatever state you're in, look at foreclosure posting, what they're there. If January is the month or February is the month, all those things are posted. What a great time for if you guys have never tried to door knock and say, "Hey, I've got a customer that'll buy your house," and that's just knocking on the door saying, "Hey, you're in foreclosure. I have a solution for you. What's your problem?" So the we're gonna see that. That's a lot of the stats and stuff that I share on my Instagram. But if you guys you know come along on there, you'll get to see my predictions for that. That the although I see it firsthand in Texas and California, we see it everywhere. But that's government intervention may affect that. It may postpone it. My mindset with all of the government intervention is nothing is going to fix the economic downfall. Uh, I, I could, that, now it's a personal opinion, so, the, so don't attack me, anyone out there listening, but I believe that any of the stimulus we're doing only postpones it. So let's say we have another year of, of, of hey, we're not going to do any foreclosures or evictions, or another two years or another five years. Who knows when all of a sudden it opens back up, but when it does, it's going to open back up, and we have to eventually pay the bill. We, I mean, the U.S. can print money for a long time, but there's but but who knows where. So just pay attention to your market because all of a sudden we're going to see, oh, wait, foreclosure postings are back. That's going to change the supply demand dynamic. If nothing else, like prices are going up every month right now in the markets I'm looking at because supply is going down, demand's going up. If all of a sudden 50,000 houses are added to a market that has you know 30,000 in it, supply goes up. And so maybe price, so don't, you you won't have to be paying over asking every time for those MLS ones anymore. So that's just a little touch of of some of that last stuff. You know, like I said, Trevor, you and I could talk forever. Any last stuff you want to make sure the listeners here today?
0: Dude, I I think the biggest thing, you know, we talked about about a lot of different things here, but I think the biggest thing is just make sure that you guys are having a chance uh, as you're heading into the new year, or if you're listening to this right after the new year to really pull back and, and really look at. We, we do a SWOT every year. You know, it's the basic strengths, opportunities, weakness, threats. I would really encourage everyone to do that and really look at what are the strengths of your business right now and like what's going good about it, what's not. Write that down. How can you make that stronger? And what are the weaknesses? Because uh, a lot of agents, once again, have been reporting their best income ever, and I think it's easy to get complacent at that point. And just go, whoa, it's going to be like this forever. It's going to be like this next year too. So right now, what are those weaknesses? Do you have a weakness in your systems or process? Or are you, are you reliant on just one marketing method or you know whatever it is? Are you in an asset class that, that your main focus is, is one that could be a threat? Um, and then what are those opportunities like we're talking about? Here, Here's a lot of opportunities. So at the very least, y'all, don't just go into the new year or don't just power forward without pulling back to really look at this and go, we're in a unique time right now. Okay. We're in a unique time. And if anyone thinks that what happened this month or last month or the month before in real estate, it's going to be the same in a year, a year and a half, six months and two years. I think, um, I think uh, we're probably barking down the wrong tree if we think that's it. So create a little plan, do your SWAT, And I think you're going to be prepared going to the next cycle. Yeah. You know, and one of the last things I want to say with it
1: is take this opportunity as the momentum. So yeah, Trevor talks. So, so, if you, have, or if you are crushing it, if you are doing awesome uh, or you've done 10 deals, whatever we have as we're coming near the end of this year, getting those r- reviews, getting those, you know, asking the people, hey, what could I have done better? Whether it becomes something you need to put on your website or not, just asking, you know, taking the deals that you've done and capture those now, those reviews now. So that way you can post them on your site. You know, when there will be a day when it's a little bit different real estate market. Right now, it's an excellent, you know, booming real estate market. You know, when it comes to values and things like that, there will be a day when it's not. So take the take advantage of what you have now, use that momentum, and be ready for the time that it's not. So you get those reviews, get that site in place, get that Facebook pixel up, you'll be ready to rock. So, the Hello. Trevor, thank you for joining me. The and like Trevor said, you know, on Instagram, I'm at Aaron Amuchastegui or at RE Rockstars Real Estate Rockstars. Hopefully, you love listening. To this. Trevor, what is your Instagram handle?
0: Yep, uh, Trevor.mock. So my last name, M-A-U-C-H, uh, Trevor.mock, follow me over there. And uh, we we share a lot of stuff on how we're helping agents and investors scale up their evergreen marketing, you know, getting off that marketing wheel, adding evergreen to it. Uh, and just a lot of the behind the scenes of you know family and growing a growing a big business. It's fun.
1: Yeah. Awesome times. All right,
0: everybody. Listeners,
1: thank you for listening, Trevor. Thanks for joining me. Thanks, Aaron. Appreciate it, man. Thank you guys.